welcome along. It's Oblong Desk with me, John Tyndall, and Noakes is there. Hello, Noakes. I am. I'm here. Hi, John. Yes, we've reconvened for uh, a bit of a catch-up on the stuff we haven't covered yet from 1994. Excellent. Yes, it's um, it's time for Terry Starr and his uh, hits albums, isn't it? Yes. We obviously normally on Oblong Desk look at now albums, but... There are other compilations available, as they say, and the main ones were from the uh, Telstar stable, and that means we get some artists that we don't normally get on Now albums. Yeah, we've got a few to talk about here that um, were seemingly, I mean, we'll never know, but they seem to be exclusive to the Hits albums. We've got two to cover, so Volume 1, which covers the spring of 1994. Then there was a huge gap, and we'll we'll talk about maybe why that was. Could just be that old Tal had a long holiday, I think. But uh, uh, we had another volume later in the year that isn't actually called Hits as such. Um, but we'll come to that later. I think we should probably do them in order. That would be the sensible thing to do. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the straight. I should say. I should say for uh, maybe newer listeners to the desk. When we refer to Terry Starr, this is a name that we have come <laughs> up with. He's not. He's not Ashley Abram. It's just that we didn't know who compiled the hits albums, and so we had to give him a name, and that's the one we came up with. So. We'll just clear that up for you. So we've got, as, as you were saying, Noakes, two discs to cover off. The first one of which is Hits 94, Volume 1. Yeah, and obviously back then we didn't know that it would be the one and only title called Hits 94. Um, it's a, a bit of a bland cover, I think, this one. It's got a swishy uh, water-going-down-the-plug-hole type cover with um, a circle on top. It's no longer a lozenge. They, they've they've squashed it down into a 2D circle from the 3D right. lozenge, which is, I think, immensely disappointing. It's got writing that was supposed to be futuristic, but I think was probably not really that great even then. Uh, the tagline is 22 Hottest Hits, and um, it's kind of an orange and yellowy on blue colour scheme. It was released on the 7th of March 1994. It did okay in the charts, actually. It uh, entered the compilation album chart at number three in a week where there were six new entries, so that's pretty good going. Spent six weeks in the top ten, so it was by no means a poor performance for this particular compilation. Good stuff. And um, I think when you look at the overall quality of the songs on here, I mean, the fact it is covering off kind of a larger chunk of the year than the Now albums does does mean that it it kind of has more scope to get better songs on there. Um, uh, and certainly that's true of the first track on here, uh, which we will not play you and not talk about too much because it's D-Reams, Things Can Only Get Better, which appears on many many things and we keep yeah. saying hey here's d-ream things can only get better hopefully this is the last time we shall see it on a compilation album and have to ignore it maybe instead i tell you what we'll play something for you nice and early we'll get something on the turntable and it's track two which is a deeper love from aretha franklin
That's A Deeper Love by Aretha Franklin, track two on Hits 94, volume one, that we're reviewing on Oblong Desk today. And uh, you mentioned that they've got a wide scope of tracks on here. There are quite a few on here from late 93, but there's also a sprinkling from early 94 as well, as you'd expect. And this is one of them. This got to number five. It was her biggest hit for seven years, um, produced by Clevillies and Cole, who had the original hit with it. Their version got to number 15 just two years earlier and they kind of reuse the backing don't they the backing is very similar to the original it's just the vocal that is different and let's be honest because it's Aretha better absolutely I mean we've been banging on on desk after desk uh, maybe maybe I've been banging on with you about what makes a quality dance anthem and it's so often we come back to the vocal and this is effortless isn't it it's, it's strong but effortless it's like this is champions league dance antheming from aretha when she soars it sounds effortless when she does the funky bits it sounds funky she's just yeah i say she is she was absolutely superb and that's what makes this track really really stand out yeah, a mark of a good singer is it sounds like the song is made for them, even if it wasn't. I mean, there's plenty of cover versions over the year that you think actually is the original and it isn't. Um, it just sounds that way because it suits the singer. And I think this is one of those. It just sounds like it was made for her. And um, unlike, you know, the likes of Mariah Carey and, well, probably Whitney Houston by this stage, who would oversing it, um, she does it justice. So, yes, it's a, it's a strong start to the CD, which... Um, which unfortunately then comes crashing down on track three, but we've already talked about that, luckily. Yes, uh, Come Baby Come K7, we will gloss over that um, or bury it in concrete or something and hope it goes Mm. away. It's a former Warnock, isn't it? It is, yes, yes. And why people like Terry weren't learning from our comments that we're making 20-odd years later is a mystery, but yes, there we go. Uh, Track four is M People's Don't Look Any Further, M People Master Mix, uh, which... Yeah, it's the single yes, version, in other yes, words. Yes. They should put single mix on, because it... Yeah. Yes, they yes. should. Uh, it should be brilliant, this, because it's quite a good song, but it isn't, because it's got Heather Small singing on it, and... I don't know. And someone else, as well. So there's, there's her and someone yeah. else... Who? Yeah, I don't know who the someone else is. It, I mean, it was originally a duet. If you've, you've probably heard the original down the years. It was by Dennis Edwards and Sheila Garrett. And Sheila Garrett is a, a great singer. Dennis Edwards is the weak link on that version because his vocal's not great. Um, it's quite well-known, the the first version, but it was never a top 40 hit, weirdly. Um, so it's a bit of a shame that it's the M people one that I guess people would probably remember now. Mm. Because, as you say, her vocals are not great on this. No, uh, uh, guys, and the male no. singer seems to be, for reasons best known to himself, channeling Michael Bolton. He's not Michael Bolton, but it, yeah. Yeah, he's got that kind of <clears throat> thing going on, possibly to, ma- mm. to match Heather Small's. <clears throat> Uh, Possibly. I mean, I think we can assume it wasn't Shovel, although you might want to hit him on the back of the head with the shovel to knock him out, I suspect. But uh, but no, let's just say that once again, it's not a very good people song. We keep saying this, don't we? We do. I think we're going to be a bit surprised later on, but uh, I'll keep keep my powder dry on that one. Instead, let's uh, let's gloss over track five, which we've covered. EYC, uh, the way you work it. Actually, do you know what? It's it's almost passable, but I just yeah, you know, I can't be doing with all the angle grinders and the toplessness. It's it's upsetting me. <laughs> well, we've covered it, haven't we? Yes. So we don't have to do yes. that one. So we can do we can do uh, track six instead. Let's uh, talk about that. Why not Bjork? Big time sensuality. Am I saying Bjork or Bjork this time round? 
Yes, Bjork's Big Time Sensuality, which I really, really love. And it's probably as normal as she gets in terms of a pop song. So a good entry point for new listeners to Björk, if you don't want to get scared by some of her more extreme stuff, this is quite a nice way to get in. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a pretty classic pop song, I would say, but certainly by her standards anyway. Uh, they put the album version on here. Um, I prefer the album version. I was never that fond of the fluke remix, which is the one that tended to get played on the radio, though I think different stations played different versions, so I think it's fair enough that they've just gone with the album version on here. This is the one, uh, if you, in case you're wondering which Björk song this is, and it's not clear from our descriptions, this is the one with the video where she was on that big truck on the back of the, the long truck, uh, the famous video in black and white that uh, actually probably more people remember Dawn French's parody of than the original original but that's 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 the one that we're talking about yeah a uh, good song though good song but i'm biased i like it's... lots of things Bjork does so there we go uh let the beat control your body is track seven which we've talked about already so let's skip on to track eight and hadaway's i miss you mm. uh for anyone that liked or still likes this i've got a little tip for you to ruin it uh, try singing Instead of I miss you, try singing I'm a shoe <laughs> as an alternative. Uh, it's a dull song. Hadaway sings it quite well. I think he's been guilty of this before. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the radio mix that they've put on here. I think there have been some judicious edits on this CD. Now, I can't be sure because I don't know the running times of the songs well enough, but I'm pretty sure I Miss You by Hadaway was not three minutes, ten seconds long in its single form. I think it was more like four minutes. So um, in order to get 22 tracks on this, and some of them are long, which we'll come to later and haven't been edited maybe as much as they arguably should have been um but uh, this one's been chopped down a bit having said that i listened to it all the way through yes just for you listener and um it wasn't immediately obvious where the edits were so they've done a reasonable job um i'm with you on this john i think it's okay it's reasonably well sung you can tell it came out at christmas because it's got that kind of feel about it um i mean to be fair to him it's not like his other songs and yet it still made the top 10 um so you know it, it did okay that's the best we can say though. i think what i'm uncovering from going back on this trip in time is that I, i'd sort of you know dismissed hadaway and he's a lot better than a lot of his contemporaries uh, and oh yeah that's yeah, some, he something sing. i've learned from yeah, this he, he can sing and i don't think i gave him credit for that maybe at the time so sorry hadaway um Shara nelson could sing but we've already talked about how she sang uptight which is track nine so instead let's have a burst of track 10 which is stay together from suede Hits 94 Volume 1 here on Oblong Desk. That was the single version of Stay Together by Suede, and that's the one that is on the album. There are some absolutely 
excruciatingly bad edits to get this down to single form. Not by Terry Starr. I'm not pointing the finger at him because I remember at the time listening to the single edit of this and thinking, oh, they haven't done that very well, have they? Because the original's about, I think it's about five or six minutes long. So to get it down to three minutes 40 or so, they've just, every time there's the start of a vocal so basically at the start of every verse when brett anderson comes in there's a huge clunking great big edit there where he just suddenly appears out of nowhere and his vocals get and it kind of gives you a bit of a fright it's it's not very well edited which is a shame because it's their biggest hit actually number three this got to um i wouldn't put it at the very top of my list of favorite suede singles but i think it's pretty good I think it's very clever as well because it manages to be downbeat and uplifting at the same time, which is a feature of quite a lot of suede songs. It's just something very pleasing about them overall as a, a kind of indie guitar band. It's a soaring guitar. So obviously, Butler is a genius at that kind of thing. Uh, it slides around as well. That's a unique thing is the way that everything sort of um, is portamento it kind of you yeah, know, yeah nothing know. nothing is played and and brett's vocals match the guitar as well and it all sort of slides together uh but yeah i i do love suede a lot and i think that this is deservedly probably one of their as you say the biggest hits it's one of my favorite ones of theirs um but there are others as well there's a lot of things i like about suede and we may come back to that a little later yeah, and, and also also it's a good one for your suede bingo card because all the usual subject matters there, isn't it? You've got uh, Suburbia's mentioned, I think. Um, there's references to Urban Decay. I think there's dogs. There's nearly always dogs in the lyrics somewhere. Um, you can get your tick box well and truly uh, filled in for this one if you are uh, if you are that, <laughs> that kind of person. And you, like, you certainly can. You, you like your suede uh, touch points, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Track 11, we've covered already, but uh, I, I think I just want to mention that, you know, he's, it, Terry has kind of like sandwiched his two uh, indie weirdness things together and, and stuck Tori Amos on as track 11. So a little round of applause there. Yeah. And then a change of mood. <laughs> just a bit. From, yeah. from, uh, from out of nowhere comes nearly five minutes of meatloaf and bat out of hell which is one of his finest pieces of overblown silliness i'm always happy to hear it i'm not sure i'm always happy to hear it in 1994 compilation albums well points in its favor it was reissued off the back of uh I Would Do Anything For Love and the Bat Out Of Hell 2 album. So I suppose it was a no-brainer to just fling it out at Christmas. And it made the top 10, which is more than it did the first time round. Uh, I did write this down, did my research. It got to number 15 in 1979. Uh, second time round, number 8. Uh, and the other good thing in its favour is it genuinely is, as it says on the album, the radio edit. So it's the five-minute version. Um, if this appears on compilations at all, for some reason Meatloaf songs don't turn up that often on compilations these days. It's nearly was the nine minute full version um which is all right if you're in the mood but i think the five minute version is actually a good radio edit in that it does capture all the decent bits and in a in a way that's better than the suede single edits it down in a reasonably well uh, manner without any terrible clunky nasty bits i think yeah i'm still i'm still deliriously unhappy 
about old songs, you know, just because they've been reissued. Uh, the Beatles went through a stage of that, didn't they, in the yes. 80s, where we, yes, had, uh, where we had random Beatles songs just being put out again. It was the uh, 20th anniversary of each one, wasn't it? They, they reissued each single, I think. Yeah, and there's no need... And there's, uh, you know, there's no need for me. I've, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. There is no need in a what was happening in 1994 to say, well, this song from 1979 was out. Well, good. <laughs> but, but so what? Uh, speaking of which, track 13 <laughs> is yes. Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Two Tribes, uh, which is, you know, fair play, getting closer. It's a little nearer to 1994 than Meatloaf. But... This is now two songs, a, a fair chunk of this entire disc, devoted to tracks that are not 1994. Do 70s tracks on 90s compilation albums annoy you, or does Meatloaf get a free pass just for being Meatloaf? Thoughts welcome on our social media channels at The Oblong Desk. Coming up on episode 12 find out which girl group brought this reaction from me i wasn't really able to identify a tune in this it was just sort of random wailing over a really nondescript backing track noakes launches into another of his all-time famous impressions turning up in the studio and going hey old lad ain't I done this one already like and we bring you the first of our two warnocks next though is take that with their ode to a pig that herds sheep. That was Babe by Take That. It's the return mix that's on this album, nearly five minutes long. I don't remember it being that long, the single version, so this might be a slightly extended uh, edit of that. It is a track 14 on uh, Hits 94 Volume 1, which we're reviewing here on Oblong Desk. We had a discussion about this before, didn't we? can't remember which Oblong Desk it was uh, about Babe and how you liked it and I didn't. That's right, and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting all through Take That's career to this point where they've been releasing either dodgy covers or dull ballads, and I've been waiting for one that I actually love. And this is it. And ironically for Gary Barlow, it's the one that he's given the vocal to um, Little Marky Owen. And I think it was a great choice because, weirdly, the fact that Mark Owen's voice isn't that strong and is kind of like fragile and cracks at certain points, I think really helps the song and, and, and gives that delicacy and fragility to it. I think it's a rather fine ballad. I love the chorus, and I'm very happy that it is now the start of something which is about to turn into something really rather awesome. Okay, um, I'm going to surprise you here. So I thought, well, in, in the interests of you know fairness and giving it a, a decent shot i'll listen to it so i p- popped it on 
uh, skipped through a few previous tracks because I know what Bat Out Hell and Two Tribes sound like. I thought, well, do you know what? I haven't actually heard this for a while, so I'll give it a chance. And then I thought, oh, I'll turn it off in a minute. I'll turn it off in a minute. And then I listened to the whole thing. Um, and it was much better than I remembered. So um, there's something about it that works for me now that didn't back in, well, it was the end of 93, wasn't it? Famously, this wasn't the Christmas number one, thanks to a uh, Tidy Beard-inspired uh, uh, novelty single. Um, but it did get to number one the week before, so it was a chart topper. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Fireland are much better than I remembered, but probably not one that I want to listen to very often. It fits with Christmas, though. It's, it's good for Christmas time. I'll give it that. It's certainly the best thing they'd done to that point. There was obviously other things that came after that that were even better, but I think it's an example of Barlow finding his songwriting feet, and you can hear echoes of the things he does in this in future tracks, which we will talk about then and not now. Instead, let's disappoint ourselves <laughs> with, a, with, tra- with track 15, which is SWV, and Downtown, the Sweet Radio Mix, uh, the only saving grace of this is that it's not massacring the Petula Clark hit, because that's honest to God what I thought they were going to do. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't really able to identify a tune in this. It was just sort of random wailing over a really nondescript backing track. Well, the tune, just like uh, Human Nature before, it is one that they've borrowed. So the bits with, uh, I want to get freaky, all those bits, that comes from uh, Freak Me, which was originally by an American group called Silk. Now, they'd missed the top 40 here with their version just. Um, so this would have meant absolutely nothing to UK listeners, the fact they'd sampled this song. Um, fast forward about five years and you would recognise it because another level had a number one with it um, by covering it. But back then you wouldn't have you wouldn't have known this song. Um so to UK ears, just a kind of average R and B girl group thing really. Got to number nineteen, so not not their smallest hit by any means, but it's not dreadful, but it's not particularly great either. I was nonplussed by it. As I imagine Lisa Stansfield herself was by uh, her track track sixteen is a little bit of heaven. It's so bland this that I as I say, I imagine she struggles to remember doing it. Uh, the backing track of choice here was something in the style of M people. And that's a misguided direction to take under any circumstances. Yeah, you, you do wonder, and I'm going to attempt an impression here, even though I've just done an impression of Silk, which was not entirely accurate, um, of her turning up in the studio and going, Hey, old lad, ain't I done this one already, like? Is that is that Rochdale enough? I don't know, I'm not very good at Rochdale. Um, probably more Yorkshire close enough enough. probably more Yorkshire than Lancashire but anyway um, because it does sound like um, someone's taken all of her earlier fast paced songs and just kind of done a a melange there's a word for you of all of those Um, and quite rightly this wasn't a very big hit her smallest hit to this point only getting to number 32 so I think justice was done there Probably right, yes, yes. It was instantly forgettable. Now, track 17 is level 42's Forever Now, the intro to which sounds for all the world like a daytime TV quiz show is about to start. (laughs) And I'm not talking about one of the good ones either. I'm talking about like something that would be hosted by, I guess, Paul Coyer, uh, where the average question is something like, uh, traffic lights are red, amber, and which other colour? And the contestant, who's like a slightly overweight librarian from Derby, panics and blurts out, "Uh, uh, purple, uh, and then tries to explain away their idiocy by saying, well, Paul, I, I don't get out much on account of the electronic tag. (laughs) 
that's what the intro sounds like. Have you been watching too many editions of Tipping Point lately? Because that's a startlingly uh, accurate description of that show. I couldn't possibly comment. Oh. Um, actually, there was one that I was getting into recently that was really rubbish, uh, and I forget it now. Anyway, the rest of the song is really quite quality. It is. It's it's a nice little pop song, this. Um, I think, I don't know what you think about this, I think Mark King had been listening to lots of brand new Heavies albums at the time, because uh, apart from the intro, which as you say is a, is a little bit 90s game show, um, it sounds awfully like a brand new Heavies song, with Mark King singing on it to me. Uh, it got to number 19, so um, they had three hits that year, we've already discussed one of them, because it turned up on one of the Now Dance albums. This is the best of the three, though, I would say. Um, sadly, rather forgotten now really but uh i like it i like it a lot i'll tell you the difference between this and a brand new heavy song though is the prominence of the bass in the mix which was a feature of level 42's things you could always guarantee that mark king and his massive thumb would end up (laughs) fairly prominent um because it's his band and let's and let's give him kudos for the lyric holy grail holy cow i just want to live forever now i mean that's a marvelous couplet isn't it really absolutely he's a good lad and he's done some good stuff if you're the kind of person who is of our age and went well level 42 are a bit naff go back and have a listen they are a well well above average and, and deserve yes. your deserve your ears uh fortunately the next two tracks we've already talked about because they are rubbish and forgettable in equal measure they are bitty mclean's here i stand and then Fire Island featuring Love Nelson there, but for the grace of God. Uh, So we'll move on instead and play you a little bit of uh, Jam and Spoon and Right in the Night. are approaching the end of Hits 94 Volume 1 here on Oblong Desk. John and I are reviewing that CD and we've got to track 20. You just heard some of Right in the Night, brackets, Fall in Love with Music, close brackets, radio edit, uh, although I suspect it's been chopped a, a little bit more again. Uh, so this was the first time this song came out. I remember it being all over MTV Europe, as you would expect, as uh, that kind of thing. Um, only got to number 31, so it was the following year, uh, 1995, when they reissued it, when it made the top 10. But uh, I remember this being a, a bit of a favourite, I think, of the URN crowd and uh, our kind of age group even then. it's um, It's got a nice backing to it, hasn't it? It's got that kind of Spanish guitar thing going on, which, uh, which is rather nice. The role that uh, Johann Sebastian Bach plays in this, done, as you say, on a, on a kind of like flamenco-y style, lends itself to being recognisable and hooky inny. Plavka Coleridge is the vocalist on this, not credited on Hits 94, but she does feature on the CD release, the CD single release, because I checked it out. And in our mission to go well done for crediting female vocalists, we're having a little round of applause for that. Well done, Jam and Spoon, yes. uh, for putting her name on there and meaning I didn't have to go trawling through to find out who it is. She does really quite a lovely job on this and yeah like you say all together 
big Euro favourite, quality bit of Euro dance, well worth going and having another listen to. It does sound of its time now, but of its time was a nice time. Yeah, and they, they had a couple of follow-ups that were minor hits that were also good. And I think they always did credit Plavka on those as well. Um, I was always keen on Find Me, Brackets. They like their Brackets. Odyssey to Anuna, which was a very minor hit that no one remembers. But I, that was my favourite. But uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to hear these things again, I think. Not, not a top-draw dance classic, but uh, good enough. <laughs> I think we've gone quite quite long enough into this disc without hearing another song from completely a different era. So, uh, Nielsen, and without you, yeah, as as usual, when when random seventies things turn up on nineties compilations, we ask why. The answer in this case seems to be he'd just gone a wah 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 dead. Uh, well, no, I'd, well that may be the case, but um, it's it's because Mariah Carey's version had come out and got to number one, and clearly they couldn't license that, so they thought, what can we do? And Nielsen's version was actually reissued, whether that's because he was a wah wah dead or because of Mariah Carey's, I don't know. But his version only got to number 47 in the chart. So there's not really much reason for it to be on here. I would suggest a better idea might have been to leave this off completely. 21 tracks is quite enough. And then not edit some of the ones that have been chopped down to three or three and a half minutes. That would have been a better idea. I'm I'm a bit anti this song anyway because it's my birthday number one. It was the uh, it was the one that was on top of the chart the day I came into the world. And given that number two on that day was the new Seekers beg steal or borrow, clearly I was robbed. Having said that, if I was early or late, I can never remember which. I would have had the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards and Amazing Grace at number one. And given how much I hate bagpipes, that would have been worse. So I guess you know you can look at it either way. I did dodge a bullet there slightly. Perhaps, yes. Um, Yeah, like you say, I mean, that seems like a perfect solution in hindsight that you wouldn't um, try and shoehorn this track in here and you would instead make all the other ones the right length. That would have been a much better solution. But to be honest, you could have missed this one and the following track off uh, and we could have been treated to the entirety of Meatloaf and it would have been better because track 22 is receiving its last track uh, it's receiving our Warnock Award. We're doing double Warnocks because we've got two discs this time round. And so our first Warnock goes to Bobby Brown with Whitney Houston and something in common. You got There's an obvious um, joke here, isn't there? Do you want to do it or shall I? Uh, you can do it. Yes, they did have something in common, didn't they, listener? Addiction. There you go. Hey! Uh. Yes. And that they were uh, an item. Um, now, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, you think of them together. Ike and Tina Turner, the Crankies. History's littered with husband and wife teams who very rarely bring the clear joy of their marriage to their professional Peters lives. and Lee, mate. Yes. Oh, well, well, they seem to uh, enjoy themselves on some of their tracks, but yes, yes. You shouldn't bring your romance into the into the workplace. Uh, and this is icky in the extreme and probably should never have been heard by the general public at all. Yeah, it, and it's, it's listed in that way because it is mainly Bobby Brown, isn't it? I was surprised how much of it was him and how little of it was the more talented half of that partnership. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it it wasn't a massive hit even. It only got to number 16, uh, which you'd think, given more so her than his popularity at the time, would have been a bit bigger hit. But then again, it's not very good. So um, sometimes people do get it right. Yes, and it's receiving the Warnock on two levels. One, because it should have been a lot better given the two of them and their respective musical talents, but mainly because... I don't want to know what you're doing in the bedroom. Please don't commit it to song. I think I ever think it, uh, anyone. I, I think it was drugs mainly, um, but uh, yes, I agree with that. And it's a deserving recipient of the Warnock. Absolutely. There endeth hits ninety four, volume one. I suppose we should move on to volume two now, if only there was one. But what happened well, there, Luke? Well, there is and there isn't. For reasons best known to Terry and his gang, um, there was no volume two turning up in early summer, as with the previous year. So if you remember, and we've covered them all, so you may have uh, listened to us talking about them already, there were four volumes the previous year, one for each quarter. Sounds logical, right? Um, But they skipped summer in this year, and they moved on to an autumn release instead. But it's called the Ultimate Hits Album. Now, it is definitely part of the series... Because the previous one we've just talked about, I'll give you its uh, catalogue number, should you want to look it up, is CD Hits 941, and this is CD Hits 942. So there's no doubt about this one. The lines became a bit blurred from 95 onwards, as we'll discuss in future editions, but this is absolutely part of the series. And yet called Ultimate Hits. Yeah. Does it, um, ha- does it have a tagline? Does it have a lozenge? Uh, is, there anything, <clears throat> is there anything in there to link it to its past and its well, heritage not really other than the catalogue number no it's very much a bit of a disappointment i think um the tagline since you ask is 20 massive chart hits which is one of those you know classic uh, classic lines there so that's in keeping um it's yellowy orange and we've, we've had a lot of yellow orange kind of covers in the series the lozenge is gone it's a simple circle with the ultimate hits album in capitals in the middle but not in quite as nasty a font as the previous one i have to say and then all the artist names around in a kind of outer circle type affair. Um, it was released on 3rd of October 1994, so just heading into autumn. Now, here's where it all goes terribly wrong. And this is probably why there were no official hits albums. Again, we'll come back to this later, I suspect, um, in 1995. So um, it got to number 11 in the compilation album chart it was released in a week that didn't see a great deal other brand new cds come out either um and spent a massive two weeks in the top 20 so in every possible way this was a massive failure and i don't know why because the track listing i would argue is stronger than the previous one we have covered a lot of them so we're not necessarily going to talk about them all but i think it's overall a stronger track listing um i can only assume that it's just too similar to the now album that came out and remember what we said about now 29 it was at the time the biggest selling now album in the series so i can only assume that people just didn't have the appetite for this anymore well we shall find out Okay, so the first four tracks on here, uh, now or we got to first, they are Kylie Minogue's Confide in Me, Corona's Rhythm of the Night, Big Mountain's Baby I Love Your Way, and CJ Lewis' The Best of My Love. And while they are a strong start, and all big hits, all big hits. 
yes all right i'll give you that yes so so the people liked them i would argue that there's no real problem with starting off in this way um track five is quite a big one as well and it's m people's one night in heaven i would argue uh, that the Morales Club Mix is a one of those rarities, a good M People song. Yeah, it's a bit of an oddity, this. Um, it's quite surprising that it turned up on here in a way. So what happened is M People did a limited edition single called Elegantly American, where they got um, lots of American dance producers like Dave Morales to uh, remix some of their old songs. Because it was limited edition, it got to number 31 in the charts, so it wasn't a massive hit. Um, bit of a surprise to turn up on a compilation, really. So it's, it's kind of nice to have it. It's one of those fills in the gaps if you're a collector of... You you know, old songs from that period, which I am. Um, and because Dave Morales nearly always does a good job of remixing other people, it is pretty good, this. I mean, I I was not terribly fond of One Night in Heaven originally. I think it's OK. It's probably one of the better M People songs. But this is, um, yeah, it's a good remix. And uh, it's quite strange, really, that they've included the whole thing. Usually if they're doing a dance remix, they'd chop it down. But this is the the, the full version. Um, Terry had obviously learnt from the previous one. He thought, I'm going to put on a really long song, but I'll make sure there's 20 tracks on this one and not 22, so it'll fit on. Have you ever started naming a collection of things, then got bored and named them something completely different halfway through? No, I did think that was a bit of a niche thing, but still, you know, if you're a cataloger of things, you might want to share at the Oblong Desk on Facebook or Twitter. Or not. Coming up, which track is the one to die for? I hear a lot of people have it played at funerals. Um, Do they? I'm, they I'm, not, I'm not going to have it at no. my funeral. Plus a second cringeworthy Warnock, and Noakes and I pick our favourite tracks from the Hits 94 albums. That's after we've heard from the national treasures that are McPartlin and Donnelly, or PJ and Duncan as you know them. as a razor, I want to amaze you, burn like a laser. Pick up, start up, straight up if you're fed up, get up, get up, I'm all let up. We are reviewing the Ultimate Hits album, which you can sort of call Hits 94 Volume 2, if you like, here on Oblong Desk. And you just heard a portion of track six, PJ and Duncan, a.k.a., as they were still being credited at the time. And if I give you my number, well, this is marvellous, I think. I remember uh, we even played this quite a lot on Signal at the time. You wouldn't have thought that such a kiddie-friendly song would get a lot of radio play on a commercial station, but it actually did. Uh, to such an extent that I remember Kevin Fernyhoe. You remember Kevin Fernyhoe, don't you? From uh, I certainly from do. Signal days. He used to mix up his song titles a bit. So he'd always say, "That's PJ and Duncan with If I Give You My Name, Will You Give Me Your Number?" Which um, which makes no sense at all. But there you go. Um, so this was uh, number fifteen. This got to. Frankly, they were robbed. And you may remember the cover of the single was a pastiche of um, the Pet Shop Boys actually album cover. Um, so one one of them on the phone and one of them yawning. Um, <laughs> it's it, I, I love it. I mean, I I think their pop songs. I, I didn't care for their ballads at all. I thought they were all dreadful. But their pop songs were nearly always pretty good quality. I thought. 
Yeah, yeah. What is it, though, about novelty Geordies that gives them longevity in our hearts? We, you, know, you think about Jimmy Nail. Gazza. Gazza. Yeah. Uh, and now here's PJ and Duncan. Uh, and none of them could sing particularly well, but we took their songs and we took them to our hearts. Uh, I guarantee you, if, if this had been done by Ultimate Chaos or EYC, I'd be panning it for the badly sung tripe that it is. But somehow, because it's Anton Deck, I just can't bring myself to hate it. Uh, and it, it, I mean, it's not very good. They They don't sing it very well for me. And yet, Somehow you just go, oh, it's Ant and Deck. It's got charm. That's that's all it is, really. It's there's something charming about the fact that it isn't particularly professional, but it's it's a half decent pop song. It's good fun. Um, you know, I'd rather hear this than let's get ready to rumble for the millionth time. That's for sure. I probably would stick with let's get ready to rumble oh, for the millionth time. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Uh, take take that aback. Track seven is love ain't here anymore we're very nearly at back for good now aren't we that's coming up very soon it's not and far i can't off. wait for it yeah i can't wait for it but you know how happy i'm going to be when we get there uh but this is back to i'm afraid more bland but getting there ballad yeah it's it's not I, I didn't expect to be saying this it's not as good as babe it's just a little bit average um it got to number three uh, all the four previous singles had got to number one. So it was a little bit of a mini lull, as much as a number three hit can be called a lull, before the true quality kicks in, as you say, in a few months' time from this CD. Oh, I'm going to be so happy when we get there. Sorry, Gary. <laughs> Actually, uh, I don't know if you've seen, um, he's done some sort of weird flamenco thing just very recently. Huh. And uh, I think it was on uh, Strictly. He previewed it. Oh, no. It's very weird. It's like he's turned into Barry Manilow. Oh, dear, you don't want to do that. But, uh, yes, yes, I shall look forward in 20 years' time to reviewing that. <laughs> and I'll just make a mental note that on, yes, uh, on Oblong Desk, on, on episode 12 of Oblong <laughs> Desk, we'll go back and we'll see what I thought of it then. <laughs> to track eight, which is Heavy D and the Boys, This Is Your Night the album version and at one point heavy d suggests that his listeners throw their hands in the air and as i'm a firm believer in not expecting people to do things you can't do yourself i think that's a little unfair of him yeah i mean at least the likes of george michael kept it simple by saying he just wanted to see our hands see every pair of hands i mean yeah I, i wouldn't want to throw my hands in the air to this um I don't know why it's the album version. I, I don't remember what the single version sounds like, but I can't imagine it was a great deal different. Maybe it was a bit shorter. The biggest disgrace on this is that there's no credit, at least in the booklet here, I don't know about the actual single at the time, uh, for George Benson, even though the entire tune is based on Give Me the Night by George Benson. Even the title's not that different. So we remember their big hit, don't we? Um from now that we found love now that we found love yeah from 1991 yeah a number two hit this was their only other top 40 hit uh got to number 30 and it's just a bit z list really it's it's not great it passes you by in a not unpleasant way but that's all it does Mm. you wouldn't go oh yeah yeah i remember that even the sort of five minutes after no you'd heard it you'd be Sure, I'm sure it wasn't unpleasant, but I really can't remember. Um, That cannot be said of this next track. Track nine, we're going to play you a bit of it. It's Give Me All Your Loving, 
not by ZZ Top, but by Jocelyn Brown and Kim Mazzell. Oh, yes. Nine on the Ultimate Hits album here on Oblong Desk. Jocelyn Brown and Kim Mazzell, give me all your loving. It's just making me smile just thinking of it, uh, let alone hearing it. Um, I don't think, do you, that this is what Run DMC had in mind when they merged dance and rock on uh, Walk This Way. I don't, I don't think they imagined it would come to this, really. Um, so you've got CNC Music Factory plus some Lardy Divas doing a ZZ Top classic. It's either going to be magnificent or it's going to be a horrible car crash. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, it is utterly, utterly joyful. Is it CNC Music Factory? My booklet for the album suggests that it's Stock and Aiken who were producing this one. I checked this out. Ah. So maybe it was everybody. <laughs> Perhaps there were different mixes of it. Perhaps CNC did another know. mix of it. Probably. Yes. Anyway, yeah, no, certainly uh, Clavillas and Cole were mentioned on the thing I watched. Well, it does uh, sound so, more yes. like the, the kind of the piano bits and the instrumental bits do sound more like C&C than they sound like Stock and Aitken. So maybe they remixed it for the single or something. That's, that's quite possible, isn't it? Anyhow. Um, Who knows? It's, it, anyway, it's a joyous mystery. And yeah. yeah, there's just they sing it really well. They don't send it up too much. And to be honest, ZZ Top never took themselves too seriously. So it's not like you are ruining a classic. And they haven't ruined it, as I say. I think they sing it really well. Uh, and there's a lot of obvious joy in what they did. Yeah, it's a very joyful cover. Um, it's very silly, but it's fun. I'd argue it's better than No More Tears because it's not as obvious as No More Tears. You know, to put those two together on that was not exactly the most original idea in the world. And I'd say this is more interesting. Um, the only shock, really, is that it got to number 22, which is a bit of a disgrace, I think. Should have at least been top 20. Uh, there may have been some people who were expecting it to be horrible and not gone out and bought it on that basis. Because you, you look at it and you think, this might not work. And I say, the fact it does is brilliant, but you can see how yeah. the thought of it even yeah, might put some people off. Uh, track 10 is a weird one for me. It's two Unlimited's no one. You better recognize when I bash your way. It's a technical rap singer by the name of Ray. Can we compromise and have a better place? Can we reach the goal to have an equal race? So amazing how things change while we're growing up. So it ain't that strange. The inspiration come true to nations. Will it last? No one knows. No That's track 10 on the Ultimate Hits album here on Oblong Desk. That was No One by 2 Unlimited. And uh, I'm going to defend this one because it's quite different from what they usually do. It's more reggae than techno. Um, Still a dance track, but uh, not their usual stuff at all. Uh, Their smallest hit at this point with uh, just a peak position of number 17. But I think it's got something about it. I think maybe it's because you're expecting another version of Let the Beat Control Your Body or something. Uh, It just takes you by surprise a bit. And I've always rather liked the beat on this. I think it's... um, 
got something about it. It's by no means a classic, but uh, I think it's it's better than people would imagine it to be, let's say. Uh, I'd forgotten it. Um, and for me, it's like they're trying to do an Ace of Bass song, and I don't like it. It's weird and it's unsettling, and I don't want them to do that. I want them to just do what Two Unlimited do all the time, which is high-energy nonsense. And the fact that it is this... Having yeah, if they'd have had a more varied career to this point, I could forgive it. But it seems a very very odd time to go in this direction. There's nothing particularly wrong with it. It's just you know it's it's off brand and it's weird and it's unsettling. I need to go back and maybe have a listen to it. It took me by surprise and I wasn't ready for it and I, I felt sort of weird afterwards. No. Not for me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the the chart position would suggest that the public were also like you, expecting something that wasn't this, and that maybe this was a slight misstep. But uh, you know, I, I think it's one of the pleasant surprises on the album, unlike track eleven, which, um, well, we've talked about Oasis before and how I'm not really keen, and I hate Live Forever. I absolutely hate it. It's one of my least favourite um, Oasis songs, along with uh, Cigarettes and Alcohol, which we've already covered um they could have gone with shaker maker for this compilation which was the single before and is a very unfairly overlooked oasis song it never really appeared on any compilations i think only a couple hoovered up shaker maker and yet it's a much better song i think there you go that's my uh, piece said okay well oasis fans really really love this don't they they um, do i'm going to tread quite carefully when i say i think it's at best, a sort of Stone Roses pastiche with a nasty vocal. Um, Liam's not really doing a good job on this. No, he isn't. Um, it's fine if you like that sort of thing. And I, I hear a lot of people have it played at funerals. Um, Do they? I'm, oh, I'm, not, I'm not going to have it at no. my funeral. It's not my cup of tea at all. I don't dislike Oasis per se, but this is not one of my favourites. No, was this the one that had She's Electric on the B-side or was that a bit later? Because that's bloody awful as well and everyone loves that and goes on about that too. I think She's Electric was 95. Yeah, you might be right. In my head. Yeah, I, think uh, I seem to right. remember playing that to death on Hallam FM. Yeah, even though it was a B-side, it still gets played on the radio today and um, I'm mystified because it's basically uh, the musical result of Liam Gallagher sitting in front of the telly and, and doing some theme tunes from the programmes he's watched that day, which being Liam Gallagher was mainly children's programmes like you and me. So, um, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll cover that in future if we need to, I guess. I see, I think we shall. Uh, the next two tracks, though, we have already covered off. They are Crash Test Dummies, mm-mm-mm-mm, and seals prayer for the dying so instead let's play a little bit of track 14 which is brand new to us it's roller coaster and the grid are doing that stretch now for our second album that we're reviewing here on Oblong Desk John and I are looking at the Ultimate Hits album you just heard The Grid and Roller Coaster, track 14 on this disc now, um, I wanted this one included as our clips because I know you weren't there at the time but uh, I was doing shows nearly 
every day on URNFM that October and Roller Coaster by The Grid was a song we played an awful lot probably more so than anybody else bar I guess maybe Radio 1 not that I listened to it much at the time I think it got to number 19 so it wasn't a massive hit but I think it's um it's one of those songs that sounds like its title it, it goes up and down and it kind of takes you on a bit of a roller coaster ride and i like songs that sound like their title there, there are quite a few when you think about it i mean I, I naturally enough i can't think of many now but the caterpillar by the cure for example that sounds like a caterpillar scurrying along and this sounds like a roller coaster ride so well done the grid i say yeah there was another train track um, <laughs> oh, um another train uh, un- under under my thumb by uh godly and cream is about a train and it's got like a train all the way through yes and there was uh, king's cross by the pet shop boys an yes. album track yes yes i i realized i'd just said train track there mm-hmm. which was a terrible pun that i had not intended to listener i'm sorry um yeah i think this sounds a little bit as well as sounding like a roller coaster i think it has a real computer game soundtrack vibe to it yeah, it does, doesn't it? Do it's, it's like a it's like a PlayStation One. What was that uh, game with the futuristic uh, spaceship racing? Wipeout was it? I think. Um, Possibly, yes. yes. Not to be confused with the game show by Paul Daniel by Paul Daniels, where you were picking out things from a screen on the telly. No, uh, yeah, I think it was Wipeout. It's it's got that kind of feel to it. It's very ahead of its time. Maybe that's why mm. uh, people weren't ready to buy it. But I like it. Uh, it's very listenable too. I must admit, it was something that didn't manage to get onto my listening radar because while you were having fun on uh, URN FM, I was wandering around Eastern Europe uh, with uh, Julian Shea of Sport fame and we were turning up variously on a, a little interrail journey, turning up in the newly formed Slovakia and the back end of Warsaw and being followed by a dog down somewhere in Greece. So they would have been um, listening to the likes of uh, terrible Michael Bolton uh, impersonators and uh, terrible rock bands, I guess, mainly, um, mm. and, and David Hasselhoff, possibly, rather than this. Yes, I'll tell you the contrary of all the ones we went to that has the worst taste in music and that is Austria they were trapped <laughs> trapped in 1980s it's quite easy to see why some people go mad and either become mass dictators or lock people in basements because the alternative is going into the pub and listening to jukeboxes full of like 1950s rockabilly crap but on I'm that basis well, hang on hang on a minute so this was um we're talking what to uh, 26 years ago as we record this that mm-hmm. would mean if they were stuck in the late 50s then they'd be on to the mid 80s maybe late 80s by now so if i was to pop over to austria does that mean they'd have the best of edelweiss on the jukebox and i could put up bring me edelweiss on I, i'm gonna visit when we, when we can travel again thanks mate uh, I, I've got a horrible feeling that the way life goes now, the internet will have spoiled that and all the Austrians will now be listening to Drake. Ah, OK. Cancel the flight to Salzburg. Um, right, OK. That's, that's it. That's Where enough. are we? That's snap. That. snap. Yeah, snap. We've done snap. that. Snap. We have. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to tomorrow. Uh, so we'll not cover that again. Track 16 is The Prodigy and Voodoo People. Yeah, surprisingly missed off the various Now albums that came out towards the end of the year, maybe because they got the exclusive here. Maybe uh, maybe Terry Starr was, uh, was on the phone to uh, Keith, who knows. I'm not overly fond of this. Um, it was a fairly big hit, got to number 13. 
but I wouldn't say it's their best ever track. It's kind of middling for me. It's um, It's got a nice sound to it, but vocally there's not much going on. Not enough for me anyway. I really loved it when it came out um, and actually preferred it to no good when it came out. And I think it was just that uh, there's a kind of like nose flute thing yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the main hook. And there was something very clever about the way that that sort of broke down and then built up again that pleased me at the time. I think looking back on it, I'm kind of with you. It's it's good, but it isn't no good, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a tautology there. But, but yes, I know exactly what you mean, and I agree. When we do hits albums, listener, we obviously don't do uh, things like Nowhere Else and Look What You Could Have Won, because they're not Now albums, so it wouldn't be fair. Instead... To whet your appetite a little and keep you interested, we do double Warnocks, and it is that time because track seventeen is Shy Effects and UK Apache with original Nutter. Now this isn't Apache Indian; this is UK Apache, and this is Shy Effects. Occasionally, and this happened this time when I'm preparing these things, I do so within earshot of um, of the Tyndall offspring, and I happened to be doing this the other, the other night, and on hearing this track, my 15-year-old, who, let's face it, therefore, should be down with the kids. He is one of the kids to be down with and knows his stuff, and this is what this kind of music is aimed at. He heard this and went, this is missing music. It's just a man going blah, 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 blah. And I said, but this is this is like UK jungle. This is what music was. This was cutting This is aimed at you, people of your age. And he went, yeah, whatever, and went back to his PlayStation. Uh, he was not a fan. I'm certainly not a fan, and I think his um, his review of this is remarkably accurate. It is literally just a man going blah, 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 blah. Yeah, uh, it's it's that bit on the choruses where he's kind of going like that, and it's just not right, is it? I'm doing lots of impressions in this edition. I do apologise uh, for those offended by my UK Apache impression, but it, it, I, I think that's pretty accurate, even though I say so myself. Um, it's it's dreadful. Uh, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Jungle in general, as we've discussed previously when talking about Mbeat and General Levy, but at least that's got a tune uh, and isn't isn't that annoying. This is immensely annoying, headache-inducing, um, worst of all, it only got to number 39, uh, so it was one of those pre-release tracks, because on the Hits albums, occasionally you get songs that they took a punt on, a bit like with the Nows, put them on thinking, oh, this will probably be a big hit. Well, it wasn't, um, and uh, it's just, it stinks up the place like nothing else on here, really. The only thing to be said is at least it comes after the Prodigy, so I suppose it shares some kind of you know similarities vaguely in music terms. But sorry, Terry, you dropped the ball on this one. Oh, absolutely. And whenever people go, all modern music is... I mean, I suppose this is the equivalent of grime now. And I can, for the vast majority, because it's not aimed at me, listen to a grime track coming on and go, oh, God, this is awful. But occasionally... You hear something from the likes of, um, what's his name? Stormzy. That's the one. <laughs> He's the chap. You see, I'm down with you lot. Um, no, but you'll hear, and in typical kind of Hugh Dennis dad, you go, oh, what's this? And some of those tracks, I say the vast majority of them are utter, appalling 
horrible as not designed for my ears and I don't get it. But you can sometimes hear the gem of some kind of musicality, even if you don't kind of understand it. Whereas this just has nothing. And it was aimed at people who were not a dissimilar age to us. I, 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 the whole jungle thing, with very, very few exceptions, was a massive, massive mistake. Yeah, I mean, it did lay the groundwork, I guess, for some of the later stuff. And and Shy Effects actually came back in the early... You remember there was another kind of... It wasn't really jungle. What did they call it in the in the early 2000s when we had the likes of Oxide and Neutrino and all that lot? I um, can't remember what they called it then, but, but um, Shy Effects came back and had a couple of hits then as well, um, surprisingly. Uh, UK Apache, happily, was nowhere to be seen, though, so they weren't as bad. Mm. Now then... Track 18, uh, uh, and you know the people who do Test and Trace? Well, not personally, but yes. You, you, you know the uh, the job they're doing of yes, that. Yes. I, kind of fe- I kind of feel that they may be the same people who are responsible for putting the end of this disc together. Because musically, the last five tracks are all over the place. There's no thread of well anything to them. I, I think so, Pro- Prodigy into Shy Effects isn't too bad. You can kind of see where they were trying to come from there but yes shy effects into (laughs) into suede uh, who are back again with in my opinion an even better track we are the pigs uh yeah it's it's okay Uh, it's the first single from the second album dogman star which i think most people recognize was their finest album and i would probably concur with that and he got to number 18 um it's a better single edit than stay together that's for sure um but i'm i don't know i've never been a real fan of this there's no particular reason uh i mean the wild ones came along a couple of months afterwards got to exactly the same chart position was too late for this album but the wild ones i think is their finest moment ever i think it's a magnificent song this mm, it's not quite as good for me okay because i think that there's brett giving it both barrels on this bernard butler's guitar work is mighty i'm going to say that about everything bernard butler does godlike genius but there's even a nod at the end of the chorus to peter gunn Oh, yeah, there um, is. You're did right, you, yeah. Do you spot that? Yeah. I think this is just more sparkling, swirling brilliance from them. And uh, if it was my choice, we'd have played both of these. But um, Noakes was like, no, you can't do that. You can't have two <laughs> sweet songs in, a, in an oblong desk. That's showing favoritism. I would have played them both, listener. I think that they're both very, very good indeed. Uh, anyway. Shall we move on? <laughs> so, <laughs> Track <yes>. 19. <laughs> we have to have a non-hit. And here it Hooray. is. Do you remember way back in the mists of time when we were doing the Mega Dance albums? We did uh, a song by Key West featuring Eric, E R I K. Yeah, here she is, solo, with a song called We Got the Love. Note, not You Got the Love, We Got the Love. Now, it's mixed by Loveland, which is why it sounds like a Loveland song. And uh, we've already mentioned uh, Stock and Aitken were probably involved in the uh, Jocelyn Brown Kim Mazel song. Well, for the full set, Pete Waterman was behind this. Hey, kidder, only got to number 55. No trains for Pete. Do you know what? There's a really good thing about this because unlike now, which used to be full of this sort of stuff, there is only one dance fodder track and at least it's not by Juliet Roberts which it would have been <laughs> if it had been on a now album so it's a just it's a pleasure to review something and not have to sit through one of those um I didn't mind it really? I thought it was okay. all right yeah 
Uh, well, I mean, Didn't mind it. it. It's okay. I mean, you got to feel a bit sorry for Eric. Um, she wasn't the worst singer in the world by any means, and yet she had three singles, including the aforementioned one, uh, in kind of ninety three, ninety four time, and none of them were top forty hits. And it wasn't really down to her. It was just that the songs weren't strong enough. So, yeah. Sorry, Eric. No, I don't say it, it, it didn't bother me at all. Uh, this last one bothered me, I tell you. Um, we can't get away from old songs. Here's Blondie. At least this is a substantial reworking of Atomic. Diddy's edit. Good did, good old Diddy. Yeah, not not a Diddy man. Well, we, we don't know, but but probably. Um, I'm I'm the opposite of you on this one. I think I think this is actually quite a good remix. Um, and the reason why is because he has actually deconstructed it slightly. I like the bit where the beat drops out completely just before the atomic chorus intro yeah yeah i like that as well um, i thought that was very clever yeah yes. so i mean it's not as good as the original it's not going to be because atomic is well arguably blondie's finest moment um number 15 the remix got to and i think that's fair enough i mean i think it's it's a, a 90s dance remix of an old song that hasn't dated horribly which in itself is quite an achievement i i would agree with you it's not the worst piece of reworking in the world as you say because because there is a level of deconstruction to it um i'm caveating everything that i say about this by admitting to being the only human being on the planet who doesn't like blondie and doesn't really care about atomic in the first place so you know I'm sure that if I really, really did care about it, but maybe maybe I'm wrong about this because you just said that you don't hate it, but I, I imagine that there will be people who listen to this and find it a bit sacrilegious. Yeah, probably. I mean, there, there were an awful lot of Blondie remixes that happened. There were some in the late 80s and there's another tranche around about this time in the mid-90s. And some of them were hideous. I mean, believe me, if you've heard some of the mixes of Heart of Glass that are around, not one of them was any good. So at least Diddy's got the point of what he's trying to do here with an old song and has made a good fist of it. And and I think it's, yeah, it's it's fair enough. I do like both. I'd prefer to hear the original, but there's nothing about this that offends me. Good. And there we go. That is Hits 94, Ultimate Hits, not Volume 2. <laughs> yes. Things get even more confusing in 95, but that's a story for another day, so we'll save that. Instead, because it's Hits and not Now, we just need to pick a favourite song, don't we? So we're just going to pick one across the two discs, aren't we? One across the two discs, that seems fair enough. And uh, this is quite tricky for me because there are several things on here uh, and i'd narrowed it down to three okay and two of them are by the same artist ah we're talking suede here then aren't we um, we are uh, talking suede yes yeah, I... and, the, and the other ones take that okay. so there um, we go i've got to think about that have you got something more while i yeah toss a coin? i i I was struggling with this and then I've just had a look through the discs again because I've got them in front of me because I own them and I know you don't own the discs whereas I, I tend to. Um, so, yeah, I was thinking, I can't give it to Jocelyn Brown and Kim Mazzell. That's just ridiculous, much as I like it. Um, and there's other stuff I like, like Björk as well. But the one that stands out for me, and, and again, it's, it's, it's a double whammy as it often is. It's a memory thing and it's also a if this wasn't on this album, we wouldn't have it anywhere to even review. Uh, I'm going to go for the roller coaster by the grid. Oh, a good choice. An interesting choice. Right. I've thought, and because the take that song, uh, there are better things and it's not my favorite. Take that song. It's going to be swayed. 
and I think just it's We Are the Pigs. Okay, yeah. So that's the one I'm going for. I think that's the first time that I've picked something we haven't played. So oh. there we go. That's our first, our first for Oblong Desk. Um, so, yes, I will uh, I'll make sure you go and have a listen to that. But listen to all of Suede, all of it, all of it. Cause, yeah, uh, and, and as, as we said, Dogman Star itself, which that is from, is a, is a great album. I mean, all, all of the singles from it are worth listening to. And, um, and, and you get longer versions on there. Good, good, good. Right. That's it for this edition of Oblong Desk. So we just need to let you know that if you want to hear all the other Oblong Desks, then there is a place to do that. It is our website, oblongdesk.podbean.com. If you go over there and subscribe, uh, then you will never miss an episode because they come to you. Uh, rather than you going to have to find them. You can also uh, message us with your thoughts on uh, all the things we've been up to at the Oblong Desk on Facebook and Twitter. And, uh, yeah, that'll do. That'll do for that. We should bid you farewell. Yeah. Bye, listener. Long Desk was written, presented and produced by Noakes and John Tyndall with additional music by John. Like, follow, share and subscribe at our website oblongdesk.podbean.com